Welcome to the Hiccups in History podcast and the second part of our two-part special on why it is a terrible idea to invade Russia. Today's episode, we look at Hitler, who clearly never played Risk as a kid. World War II. Thanks to movies, video games, books, TV shows, and hopefully school, the vast majority of people know the story of the Second World War. But for the sake of those who might not know, as well as to provide context for the rest of the episode, I'll give a brief recap of the story so far. Post-World War I, Germany was in a bad spot. Their economy was in ruins, their government was a joke, their people were unhappy, and most of them were broke. It was a sad story, and the people were looking for someone to restore them to their former glory. Rising through the ranks, writing books and starting pushts, came a man with a mustache, a plan, and an appetite to match Adolf Hitler. Hitler was a leader with a hunger that only nations could satisfy, and so once he militarized, radicalized, and mobilized the German people towards war, he began to take bites out of the world. Going down the buffet table, Hitler took a little piece of Poland, a little piece of France, a little slice of Turkey, a little nip of Norway, and a little glob of Greece. After sampling the European buffet, Hitler sat stuffed at his table, happy with his meal thus far, but disappointed that he had been unable to take a bite out of Britain. While contemplating how best to gorge himself on Great Britain, he spotted another tasty treat which he assumed would be much easier to eat. Russia. Unfortunately for Hitler, he did not have a funny and entertaining podcast series to inform him that Napoleon had attempted to take Russia over a hundred years before him and failed. But luckily, all of you listening now have already listened to that episode about Napoleon and Russia and are therefore one step ahead of Hitler. Oh. Wait, you, you haven't listened to that episode yet? Well, go listen to it. Go, now, I'll wait. You back? Good, let's continue. Now, where was I? Ah, yes, Hitler didn't read history books. Now, the traditional joke amongst people who study World War II history is that Hitler failed to learn from the lessons of history and thus was doomed to repeat them, marched into Russia just like Napoleon did and failed to conquer Russia, just like Napoleon did. This joke is inaccurate. Hitler did study history. He did know about the mistakes of Napoleon. He just chose to ignore all of them. You see, Hitler thought that a hundred years of technological advancement would make the conquest of Russia a surefire thing. Hitler looked at Napoleon's 600,000 troops and raised that number to 3 million men, 3,000 tanks, 7,000 artillery guns, and 2,500 aircraft. By Hitler's math, he figured his 3 million men, 3,000 tanks, 7,000 artillery guns, and 2,500 aircraft could conquer Russia in a matter of months. What Hitler failed to add to his math was the fact that Mother Russia does not give a damn about how many men or how many guns or tanks or planes you have. She will crush you under her frozen boot without mercy because Mother Russia, much like her grandmother, Mother Nature, is a cruel mistress. With his troops mustered and ready for war, Hitler enacted Operation Barbarossa on June 22, 1941. And by all accounts, the Nazi forces caught the Russians completely off guard, and as per the name of the style of war, blitzed across the Russian lands with astounding speed. This tactic had worked in every other nation in Europe, and on paper, should have worked in Russia. The Germans should have steamrolled right to Moscow in a matter of weeks, months at the longest, and had Stalin in hand before the winter even hit. The problem is, as the famous Prussian general Helmuth von Moltke, the Elder, once said, no plan of operation goes beyond the first encounter with the main enemy force with any degree of certainty. Or, put simply, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. 
The realities of war in Russia were lost on Hitler in part due to his own ego and, and also in part due to the failure of his intelligence agency. While he brought 3 million men, 3,000 tanks, 7,000 artillery guns, and 2,500 aircraft into battle, the Russians had double if not triple that number of military forces available. And while the speed of the Blitz had caught the Russians on the back foot, the perceived victories on the part of the Germans were won against a stalling force. Eh, get it? Stalin? A stubborn Russian force simply trying to buy time for the rest of the massive USSR military machine to wake up, mobilize, and counterattack. I would like to pause here and do a bit of historical compare and contrast between Napoleon and Hitler. Aside from the obvious differences in height and facial hair, there are more subtle differences. For example, Napoleon actually marched into Russia with his men, while Hitler stayed behind in Germany and coordinated from a distance. Now, on the surface, it's easy to say that, well, of course Hitler stayed back. This wasn't the type of war that required a leader to be in the field on horseback riding around at risk of being shot. And you're right, but my point in bringing this up is that Hitler stayed behind to run the war. He chose to distance himself from the conflict, and then instead of relying on his generals to win the war for him, he insisted on making very important, time-sensitive decisions from hundreds of miles away. And while communication equipment at this time was good, it was still not instantaneous and required encryption, which took time to code, transmit, decode, deliver, and then be decided upon by Hitler himself, all while the generals in the field essentially had to wait for orders, which allowed the Russian troops time to sabotage roads, bridges, as well as implement a scorched-earth tactic of moving everything industrial deeper into Russian lands, and whatever could not be moved was destroyed instead to leave the Germans nothing of value to take. Napoleon failed in his attempt to take Russia because he underestimated the size of Russia and the stubbornness of the Russians. Hitler would fail because of the same things, as well as his inability to trust anyone to do their jobs without him having the final say. Hitler had everything laid out for him. He had the potential to actually conquer Russia. The Blitz could have worked. It should have worked. Yet, a mixture of Russian stubbornness, Hitler's absolute insane military structure, his ego, and Stalin's willingness to throw away Russian lives all conspired to make Hitler go from potential ruler of the world to crazy madman with one testicle missing and a serious addiction to, like, every drug there was. Hitler was an egotistical moron who surrounded himself with some of the greatest military minds of his generation and it failed to use any of them to their full extent. That, in my opinion, is one of the greatest jokes of history, that the most evil man in history, the man who had the world at his fingertips, who could have made his cruel, sick, twisted dreams a reality, failed because he couldn't get out of his own way. He couldn't let other people win the war for him. And that, my friends, is irony. Jumping back into the action, by October of 1941, the German army's advance had ground to a halt, and as winter was slowly setting in, Hitler and his top generals began to argue over what to do next, and conflicting orders and decisions would lead to some of the German forces digging in for the winter, while others pressed on into the cold tundra to try and capture key objectives like Moscow, Leningrad, and Stalingrad. Mustering up what strength they could, the German forces would successfully lay siege to Moscow and Leningrad as winter closed in. These seeming victories would be costly, as the Siege of Leningrad would continue on for another three years until 1944. Meanwhile, the Siege of Moscow would not even last the winter, and by December, the Russian midwinter counteroffensive had pushed the Germans almost entirely out of the city. By January of 1942, Moscow was fully back in Russian control, meaning that all the Germans' effort to meet those midwinter objectives were for nothing. 
By 1942, the German army was half exhausted from winter fighting and the other half ready to defend the gains they had made the previous year. What the German army was not prepared for was springtime in Russia, which, unlike springtime for Hitler, which is a hilarious Mel Brooks musical number, and springtime in Germany, which is relatively mild, springtime in Russia is just as brutal as winter in Russia. As I stated in my last episode, which you all totally listened to, with a heavy winter comes a heavy thaw. Russian springtime, especially in the European areas of Russia where our story takes place, are muddy. Very, very muddy. In these spring thaws, the newly created water flows out of the mountains into the rivers, flooding them, making them nearly impassable. Meanwhile, the snow, simply on the ground, melts away, creating bogs and mud traps which make travel a slog fest for individuals and small groups and an absolute nightmare for heavy military vehicles like half-track troop transports, supply transports, and, more importantly, tanks. The backbone of the German army, the spear tip of the Blitzkrieg, were effectively immobilized during the spring of 1942. This meant that the Russian forces had yet more time to muster troops, shore up defenses, and begin a counterattack against the German lines. Over the course of the summer of 1942, the German and Russian forces remain in a deadlock until the German forces in June managed to counter counteroffensive and push south to the city of Stalingrad. This force was commanded by General Frederick von Paulus. Von Paulus and Hitler both saw the capture of Stalingrad, the city literally named after Joseph Stalin, as a massive strategic as well as psychological victory, and thus von Paulus was given 200,000 men and 500 tanks to take the city. Von Paulus would make great gains early on, but as was typical of the whole Russian campaign, swiftly lost momentum as the 50,000 men under the command of General Vasily Chuikov would dig in and force the Germans to fight for every floor of every building of every block of the city. As the winter approached, von Paulus realized that he could not take the city in time and that his troops were not prepared for a winter of holding the city, and requested permission from Hitler to fall back and shore up his winter lines. Hitler, being a stubborn and egotistical bastard, refused his order and demanded that he hold the city. So, von Paulus, loyal to the end, would follow Hitler's orders and throughout the winter of 1942 to the spring of 1943, he and his men would attempt to hold the city against its initial defenders as well as the fast approaching Russian reinforcements. The Battle of Stalingrad would last for roughly nine months and by the end of the siege, Hitler would promote von Paulus to field marshal. On the surface, this seems weird since he was about to be overrun and likely captured by the Russians, but things become clearer when you look at the fact that no German field marshal had ever been captured. The promotion was actually Hitler's order to von Paulus to kill himself rather than be captured. Now, von Paulus was a loyal man, but he was not that loyal. He would not take his own life and would instead be captured, adding insult to the injury that was the failed Battle of Stalingrad. The siege would cost the German forces roughly 800,000 men, and the Soviets would lose well over a million men. This is a staggering loss of life on both sides. But for Stalin, it was just a drop in the bucket. You see, at this point, while Hitler was trying to conserve troops as best he could, while also ordering suicidal defensive measures and demanding his generals counterattack at all times, Stalin was being very blatant. At this point, Stalin had already issued Executive Order 227, which basically stated that the Russians were to no longer give any ground, no more land beyond the Dnieper River. This order can also be called the order of, if I throw enough bodies at the bullets, eventually they'll run out of bullets. Stalin had little to no care for the loss of life his orders would bring or the number of bodies he would pile up to obtain his goals. 
All he cared about, and by extension all the Russian people cared about, was driving the Nazis from their land. The Battle of Stalingrad was the turning point in the war. Sure, the siege of Leningrad would still go on for another year, but the failure to take the city of Stalin and the manpower wasted in the attempt would leave the German forces forever on the defensive against the Russians. Seven months after the Battle of Stalingrad, the Allies would invade Italy. By 1944, the Allies would also invade Normandy. And now the Germans could no longer pour all of their focus at the Russians. Now they had a war on three fronts. They would lose Leningrad and continue to retreat, and the Russians would continue to roll on until they hit Berlin. Hitler had marched into Russia with an eye on the prize of doing what Napoleon couldn't do. But in the end, he became the butt of the joke, the punchline of the greatest example of historical synchronicity in, well, history. Napoleon had failed to take Russia, and Hitler had failed to remember Napoleon, and repeated his mistakes on a far grander and bloodier scale. Hopefully, over the course of the past two episodes, I have ingrained into all of you the greatest lesson of history that Hitler missed. Don't. Invade. Russia. Thank you all for listening, and remember to laugh while you learn. I'll see you next time.